As we remain standing, I want you to turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Ephesus or the Ephesians. Those of us that know them well call them Ephesus. Ephesians chapter number 5. I'm going to do quite a bit of reading, so, but I would ask you to stand anyway, please, if you're able to. And we'll begin reading here. Exodus chapter number 5. I'm sorry. Uh, my mind really is someplace else right now. This, that's the best excuse I can come up with. I don't know what to tell you. Ephesians chapter number 5. There we go. Starting in verse number 18. Hopefully I'm in the right place. Where are we at anyway? Church? Okay, there we go. Starting in verse number 18. We're going to read quite a bit here if I can see this to read. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husband, to your own husbands, as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall join unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence excuse me, her husband. Chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment of promise, with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And your fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, obey, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, with good will, doing service as, un, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things to them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, capital M, God master. Neither is there, I'm sorry, neither is there respect of persons with him. Finally, my brethren, 
be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's a lot of reading. But I wanted you to see something real quick. Let me just point something out before we have our prayer. In verse 22, he talks to the wives. Verse 25, he talks to the husbands. Chapter number 6, verse 1, he talks about children or two children. In verse 4, he talks to the fathers. In verse number 5, he talks to the servants. And in verse number 9, he talks to the masters or the bosses, if you will. Okay, in our day and time, we call them bosses. And back then, they called them masters, and they were servants that worked for someone else. Okay, I want you to understand that. I want to talk to you tonight <clears throat> a little bit on this subject here, and uh, we'll get right to it. Let's have prayer. Father, thank you so much. You have done. Ask you to bless in the service tonight, Lord. Please settle my mind down, my heart down. May I have singleness of mind that I would lead and guide the people in their thought to help them be a little closer to you. I love you and ask you for your help tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Wasn't there by the shores of Galilee when Jesus touched those blinded eyes and made them see? And though I did not see the empty tomb that day, still believe for I know what Jesus did for me I believe there is power in the blood of the Lamb and I believe there is he in the touch of his hand. But the greatest of all miracles was when Jesus saved me. Yes, I know what Jesus did for me. seen the lowest sin sick soul have life anew be made pure pure and whole and I have felt him lose the chains of sin as he set my spirit free, for I know what Jesus did for me.
in the touch of his hand. But the greatest of all miracles was when Jesus saved me. Yes, I know what Jesus did for me. touch of his hand, but the greatest of all miracles was when Jesus saved me, yes I know what Jesus did for me. Oh, yes, I know what Jesus did for me. because I want to talk to you tonight more instructional than anything else I think Satan's strategy to cause you to quit it's not an accident that people quit they didn't stumble over something it wasn't just something that came together Satan has a strategy and I just read to you what that strategy is but you may not have caught it I want you to understand something Satan is, is, is so successful in his warfare tactics because we are so ignorant of his warfare tactics. Let me say it again. The devil is so successful in his warfare tactics because we are so ignorant of the devil's warfare tactics. I'll try to tell you what I'm talking about. We seem to be as little children. I don't know if you've ever watched a magician, sleight of hand, that kind of stuff. But you'll find out here that while a child is watching them over here. The magic really is taking place over here. It's called sleight of hand. So while he's doing all this, you're looking here, he's moving things around and working with his other hand. Satan does the same thing. While we're concentrating on one thing, he is performing unnoticed somewhere else. This is what he does. While we concentrate on satanic churches, blood drinkers, gothic wannabe vampires, while we're concentrating on all the stuff that hits the news, Satan goes unnoticed in his work in government, families, and churches. Government, family, and churches in high places. Got that? Satan prefers to be unseen. His work, is it doesn't matter to him. He wants himself to seem as though he's not really there. Sleight of hand. 
So he gets to pointing this direction while he's working over here in this direction. He is the direct, he, he's the director of the mischief, but he doesn't want to be recognized as the cause of the mischief. You see, Satan does not give credit. He does not seek credit for his actions. He wants to have the blame put on someone else, others, and God himself. So if he can keep himself out of the picture and cause you to believe it's someone else or something else, he's perfectly satisfied with that. And by the way, it works pretty good. We tend to end up blaming each other, don't we? We tend to end up blaming flesh and blood. When really we're wrestling against spiritual wickedness, we don't fight against flesh and blood. Yet that is what we take it out on, and that's who we attack because of what they did to us. God did not leave us ignorant of the devil's devices, though we often are deceived or forget how the devil works. And we do. I can prove it to you. The next time you get into it, husband and wife, why do you attack each other? Here's what you did. In the middle of all this, you forgot... I'll bet you, I'll bet you, I'll just bet, and I'll make a covenant with you, as Brother Usher would say. I don't want to bet. I'll make a covenant with you. And here's the covenant. You ready? I'll bet you the next time you get in an argument with wife and husband or anybody else, nobody's going to bring up, whoa, 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 Satan's trying to get us. And don't look at me like, yeah, that's the first thing we mentioned. No, it's not the first thing you mentioned. Satan's attacks can be recognized, can be recognized by the resulting division of the things that God has put together. Let me say it again. Satan's tactics can be recognized by the resulting division of the things that God has put together. I just read it to you. Did you catch it? Right there in Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter number 6. Did you catch the relationships that the devil wants to divide. Did you read that? Did you find it? God tells us how to get along and how to make it work. Anything God's for, the devil's against. So therefore, the devil is against all God-given relationships. All God-given relationships, the devil is against. Understand that. You won't remember it, but I'm telling you, you need to, because what happens is we start fussing against each other, teaching each other a lesson, making each other pay, and the devil just stands off to the side and says, you didn't see this, did you? You didn't see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm the one doing this, but here's what you're paying attention to. He's very good at what he does, and I hate to say that, but he is. So number one, relationships that God has ordained. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Let me show you these relationships here. Now, before we read all of this again in chapter 5 and chapter number 6, I want you to understand in chapter 6, verse 11 through 19, we have the commandment to put on the whole armor of God. Not parts of it, the whole armor. Not parts of it, the whole armor. It's called the whole armor because it's the whole armor. That's why we come to Anchor Baptist Church to learn deep things like that. The full armor enables you to stand against Satan's methods of attacks. Understand what I just said. The whole armor that God gave to you, it's available to you, is what is needed so that you and I can stand against the devil's methods of attack. Before that, he tells us the relationships that will be under attack and how to live so that the devil can't do that. Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6, he tells us about the full armor of God, but before the full armor, he tells us the relationships that God built in us and around us and what the devil is after. The very next thing he says, put on the whole armor. He tells us about the relationship. He tells about the wife. He tells about the husband. He tells about the children. He tells about the servant. He tells about the master. And then he jumps right into chapter number six and tells us about our intimate. He says, you need to put on the whole armor. 
What he's talking about are the relationships. The preceding verses in chapter number 5, 18 through chapter 6, verse 10 instructs us on how to conduct ourselves in all of those relationships. All of them. All of the relationships he talks about. By the way, if you'll notice, he always talks to the subordinate first. He talks to the wife and the husband. He talks to the servant then the master. Did you not notice that? Did you not pick up on that? So what has to happen here is simply this. The reason these two sections and verses follow each other is so that we'll realize that Satan, what, he's, what is he really after? We, we act like it's some mystical thing. It's not. He's after your relationships that God put in your life to help stabilize you and help you fight back the way you should. So in order, what he's doing is actually taking away the arsenal that God gave and put all around you so you cannot fight the way you need to. God-ordained relationships in our lives need to be defended because they're actually the weapons you need to succeed. So if I do not recognize what these relationships are, really leaves me kind of vulnerable out of my ignorance, doesn't it? So watch what happens here. Listen, when you mention spiritual warfare, you are mostly speaking of Satan's attacks against these six relationships. When you speak of the spiritual warfare, we think it's things that are taking place in the atmosphere. For the most part, God's angels and the demons, they take care of all that. We don't go into the unknown and fight spiritual warfare. We fight down here. The things that we fight happen to be a lot in the flesh, but we don't fight against flesh and blood. This is why God talked to us about these relationships. Watch very carefully. In verse chapter number 5, verse 18, 20, and 21, the relationship between a person and their God. So God starts right off with you and him. Starts right off. I'm talking about these six relationships. These are God-ordained relationships that the devil is coming after to ruin and take away from you. In verse chapter number 5, verse 19 through 21, a person's relationship with himself. Do you know most people don't get along with other people because they don't love themselves? The Bible says love others as you love yourself. Well, some of you must really hate yourself. Well, you can't get along with anybody. Then he says, that, no, I'm not kidding you. Look at chapter number 5, verse number 22 through 28, and then also verse 21. The relationship between spouses. Starts off with the wife. Didn't leave you out, fella. You have a huge responsibility to answer for. So all of these relationships, and then we find out here in chapter 6, verse 5 through 9, and chapter 5, verse 21, the relationship between employers and employees. We find that there also. So God's covering all the bases here. And then the last one is this one in chapter 6, verse 10, and chapter 5, verse 21, is the relationship between brothers and sisters in Christ. That would be us. So God has covered all the bases. These are God-ordained relationships. These are right relationships. These are the ones that God said, this is what you have to protect. This is what I gave you. This is not a suggestion. These are things that God gave us. God ordained these six relationships to provide security and stability among mankind. Families are under attack. Marriages are under attack. Government's under attack. Churches are under attack. Everything that God ordained is under attack. When's the last time you said the devil's doing it? You didn't do that. My boss, what an idiot. Hopefully our staff didn't say that. That wasn't that funny. Now, watch here very carefully here. The stability of a society 
listen carefully if this makes sense. The stability of a, of a society can be measured by these relationships and how they're acting. Just think about it. Well, God talked about here, okay? So what happens here is we're talking about the relationships, churches, families, places of employment, all bring stability. Think about America right now. Employment, no stability. Families, no stability, right? Uh, government, <laughs> we don't even want to go there. I want to go to sleep tonight. No stability at all. All the God-ordained things that were placed in our lives to help stabilize us and bring security is under attack. Your relationships are in the crosshairs of Satan. you got to understand. Folks, you got to look beyond what you're just looking at. There's a problem. When people come to me for counseling, it, the problem is never the problem. When you first come talk to me, it's kind of like I'm going, okay, 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 okay. And about 40 minutes later, you go, let me tell you why I'm really here. Right? We're shooting at leaves and ducks and birds and, you know, we're talking about your childhood and going hunting and fishing. And, and all of a sudden, you go like this. It's about my marriage, preacher. Uh, I, when staff comes talk to me, almost inevitably, they will run through a list. And the last thing is the bad thing. I just wait. And I said, does. Uh, and so one more thing, preacher. And I said, so this is the one you really want to talk? Well, yeah. <laughs> they, always, they always save the worst till last. You ever notice that? Maybe you don't. I noticed that. Okay. Now, watch here. Because he can, he can promote insecurity. The reason he's after your relationship, your marriage, your children with their parents, your job, your government, all these things that God gave you is because if he can create an instability in your life, he's got you on the run. Nobody likes to feel insecure. Nobody likes to feel as though they're not safe or can have some comfort. Listen to me. Fellas, look up here and listen to me. Every woman in the world needs to feel secure. They don't like up and down, back and forth, and who knows? We'll figure it out later. They don't, they don't work like we do. I can't believe how many men think their wife should be like them. What are you, homosexual or something? Brother Howes used to call it mental homosexuality. Why doesn't my wife treat me this? Why would we go hunting and pump weight together? Uh, that's what I would like. You, you should have married a man. And the women are just as bad. Why won't he cry when I'm hurt? Oh, it's just terrible. Because he's not a woman. The big problem is we don't understand each other, and yet God gave us this relationship to bring about stability, not fighting and divorce all the time. Spiritual warfare pits you against others or even with yourself. Let's talk about midlife crisis. You ready, fellas? You know what midlife crisis is? Who's going through that? Okay, listen up, listen up. There's good preaching going on here. Midlife crisis, the first time I ever heard this, there was a young man, good-looking fella, mid-30s, I think, at the time, two beautiful children, a gorgeous wife, drove, drove a Mercedes, lived in San Francisco, I think he did. That's enough to jump off the bridge about. But he had, I mean, the guy had a great success. I think he was an engineer of some kind. In our estimation, he's doing real well. But as, watch, watch, as he viewed himself, he didn't amount to what he thought he should have been by that time. He was a failure. 
He looked by anybody else's measurement, he had succeeded. He's on his way. But by looking at himself, I set the bar here, and I only got to here. So he was a failure. He went out to the, to the uh, uh, Golden Gate Bridge and jumped off. Now, most people die because of the height. When you hit water at that height, it's like hitting concrete. He went out there, and the interview, needless to say, he lived. They're interviewing the guy. I think he cracked his collarbone, crushed some ribs. I think he broke his leg. He survived. And see, that would be my life. I can't take it anymore. I'm going to drive my car into a, to a, to a bridge somewhere, and I'll just end up mangling myself. And then I have to sit there like this all the rest of my life and look at people. Man, that'd be terrible. That's just the way things go for me. I can't even kill myself properly. Anyway, let's get serious about this. The guy went out to the bridge. He's got all of this going for him, and he decides, I'm a failure. I might as well just jump. So the interviewer asked him, he survived, and he asked him, said, when did you know you made a mistake? You won't believe this. As soon as my hands let off the, off the side. His wife was there. His kids were there. He survived. The guy was an engineer, up and coming. Mercedes he was riding around, or a BMW, some, some real nice car, beautiful wife, gorgeous kids, everything going for him. Yet he viewed himself as a very, I wonder who was behind all that. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It doesn't make any difference how successful you are. It's how you think of yourself. And the devil will use that against you to destroy your life. And so he almost took him away from his, from his wife and from his kids. And so what happens is simply this. Satan gets you to lack confidence. Fellas, look at me and listen to me. You're not a little boy anymore. You're not a complete man. You're always completing. You're always learning here. Satan gets you to lack confidence and doubt yourself and lose hope. Lose hope. And believe your problems are centered around you. Trying to divide you from God. trying to divide you from God. God's your father. You're taking the life you gave him and saying it's yours, you'll do what you want to with it. You have no right to do that. Who would push you to possibly do that? Satan, but we forget about him. Let's talk about the home. The greatest satanic influence in our country is the destruction of the home. It's the destruction of the home. I, I teach Bible at junior high high school. And just for the fun of it, I said, how many of you have both parents? Two kids out of, I think, 12. Now, first of all, I don't let them suck their thumb because it is what it is. You want to stay there and whine all the rest of your life, you'll never mount anything. On the other hand, that is not the way God designed this at all. That is not God wanted you to have two parents to balance out your life between dad wanting to kill you every day and mom wanting you to get by with murder. It kind of works out that you might be an okay kid by the time you grow up. It's just the way that it goes. The destruction of the home. Couples always considering divorce. What is wrong with you? Every time something goes, who's pushing you towards that? Separation. Being unfaithful. Accusatory. Never satisfied. You're under attack. And I'll bet during that whole time you never said, honey, stop, stop, stop. You know who's behind all this, don't you? I'd love to know the couple who ever says that. Yeah, mm, yeah, got real quiet, mm, like he just got through eating. Mm. Who gets the blame? 
our God-ordained relationships. Who is never thought of at that time? Satan. And yet God is reminding us, look here, these are my ordained relationships. Then after he gets done with that, he tells us to be on guard, watch out for Satan, and then put on the whole armor. So you put all that together, you're talking about, you need to defend yourself and you need to learn how to stand. And what you need to guard is your God-given relationship because they're here to help you. That's why they're under attack, because they are of God. And the devil doesn't like that. Satan redefining marriage. Well, as long as two people love each other, it doesn't make any difference if they're female or male. Who would do such a thing? What we point? Congress. They look, they're like little kids. They have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea. Anybody that would vote so that kids can actually physically change their anatomy has no business guiding anybody. Two of the same gender, two people living together. God's original intent for that relationship is now being divided. Even among Christians. Well, I think the Bible says, I don't care, we're not doing that. Who would do that? Who would cause you to disagree with something that God's trying to instruct? Who would do that? Who would do such a thing? What God hath joined together, let not man put aside. I thought that's what the Bible said. Now, I'm fully aware who's been divorced and remarried. I got all that, all right? You know that. You know I know that. But I'm trying to teach another generation. There is a reason the divorce rate is going sky high. And it's because we do not understand that marriage, child and parent relationships, pastor-employee relationship, you-with-God relationship, all of these are God-ordained. These are things you need and have to have in your life, and that's why they're under attack, so that you will feel vulnerable, insecure, and do not feel as though you amount to anything. When you do that, you're giving it up. The Bible says, hope thou in God. It doesn't say hope in your job, hope in government. It says hope thou in God. When everything else fails, hope thou in God is what you're supposed to be doing. What about children? Argue and rebel against their Maybe in your home, they didn't in my home. I'm not governed over you once you walk out. But you're in my home. I told a long time ago, if you ever say one word against your mother, you'll wish you never did that. Don't you ever touch your mother. They believe me. You know why? Because it was true. I didn't marry you, kid. I married your mother. So don't be saying things like that. You don't talk back to your mother. Why do you allow that? Well, you know, I was talking to kids the other day, and they just said, I don't like it that way. What in the world? What are you doing? Who would start that kind of talk? That is rebellion. That is disagreement with authority. That's like you telling God, I don't believe what you said. That's how bad that that is. Whine and criticize and openly show disapproval. I'm talking about children. We've had little kids in here look at me and go, I'd have to mind you. You're not my mother. Question the why of obeying parents. Cause parents to notice all the wrong things and the failure in everyone and everybody. Why do you let your kids gossip? You know that's wrong, right? You do know that's wrong. It's not only wrong for grown-ups, it's wrong for children too. I guess maybe what we're doing is training up a child in the way he should go. When you sit around and gossip, you say, oh, no, they're never around there. Your walls are that thick in your house. 
and the kids are in the other room. Go in the other room. Your mother and I need to talk. No, your mother and I need to gossip. And the kids with a glass on the other side of the room. Like you used to do, remember? Or worse, my mom used to keep her window open in the summertime and the screen. We just sat out on the porch and listened to the whole conversation. Parents aren't as bright as they seem to be sometimes. The Bible teaches that children obey your parents. Period. Boom, right there. That your days may be long upon the earth. You know what I think that means? So that you don't get killed too soon. No, I don't think it means that at all. The Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother. Thy father and thy mother. Thy father and thy mother. Quit telling your kids you wait till your father gets home. Take care of the problem, mom. The Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should go. Satan is causing divisions in relationships between child and parent. Look at it. No. Look at look at our society. They don't listen to their parents anymore. Their parents feed them, give them a place to stay, and buy them clothes, and the kid's on his own from there. I could tell you some things to do, but you won't listen to me anyway. I can tell you when a child decides I'll do what I want to, pack up their clothes, hand them what belongs to them, and tell them you're not coming back until you decide to live according to my rules and my. But see, you won't do that. Even right now, you're going like this. You wouldn't do that. Did it. I'm not proud of that. You're not running my home. Wow, what a mean guy. And all the kids are going like this. Man, blame it on my dad. You know how good I feel about that. Satan's tactics. Watch, with your children. It's just a passing phase. Where did you get that? What liberal book did you get that from? Show me in the Bible where that's in the Bible. He, he's not really hurting anyone. I've heard that until I want to vomit. Whether he's hurting anyone or not. You ever heard of the word proper? It's just not proper. It's just not proper for them to do that. You ever heard that phrase? It's just not proper. That used to be the word etiquette. We dropped that and we went to proper. Now we drop proper and we're making excuses for our children. I'm sorry. You're making excuses for your children. He just sees things differently than his mom and dad. Aw. Now, anybody should be able to understand that, right? Our children just look at life differently than we do. You know what you're just saying? I haven't trained him, and they don't listen to me. So you made the excuse. They just look at things differently. We say things like he just sees differently than we do. He doesn't think we appreciate him. Aw, doesn't that make you want to give in to him? I'll never forget my wife is here. One of our kids walked in one day and uh, said, I don't love you. Now, here's what you do. Oh, what, what did we do wrong? I said, get upstairs. You're not going to tell me you love me or don't love me. Who do you think you are? He said, what would you do? I spanked the fire out of her. Now, I only have two girls, so you're wondering right now, I wonder which one he's talking about. That's what you're doing. You're good fundamentalists, aren't you? How about the local church? Any Christian who leaves their local church without absolutely being led of God has been defeated spiritually in the warfare. God placed you in a body where it pleases him. Unless you absolutely have biblical, spiritual right to leave, you are actually following something that's tearing up a relationship that God has built in your life. Satan was not after Oh, after the people that left. He merely was using them to hinder a local church. 
happens all the time. Separating them from their God-ordained relationship with God's man is what's going on. Satan works very hard to instill hurt feelings and bad blood. Bad blood? What's bad blood? It means no good for other people. Well, you got disease? What's wrong with you? I know what you mean. If you only understood what I knew. My wife the other day, she was talking to four or five different ladies, or at least they were standing around, and uh, maybe an old Ben and Marin's house, and she said, my wife said, and all the ladies agree with her, you know who causes all the problems in a church? The women. What do you mean, huh? You didn't know that yet? Or you're agreeing, but you're afraid to. Okay, okay. It's not, <clears throat> so, I'm not going to tell you which person on the platform said that, but his initials start with pleasure. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Satan was not after them. He's merely trying to use them to hinder a God-given relationship between preacher and his church. Satan works very hard to instill these feelings in people so that they'll leave their church. Thus, they fix their eyes on themselves and other people rather than their God-given relationship, and we've got to keep this thing together. The, the fact of the matter is you're just not that serious about it. Your marriage, kids with their parents, parents with their kids, whoever thought that kids could write a divorce proceedings against their parents? You and I do, I'd go get the paper for them. See, they, they're threatening you, and you just don't know what to do. When they said, I'll call children's services, have children's services on speed dial. Call them. Hey, y'all got a kid right here. Don't want to live with us anymore. They'll panic. Well, Dad, what are you doing? You said, call children's services. That's what I'm doing for you. No, Dad, don't do that. When you go like, no, honey, please, no, Mommy, Daddy, love, we'll do anything. They got you. Yeah, okay, I know. This is terrible, isn't it? I can't believe preachers saying stuff like this. Satan's strategy to cause you to quit. Number one, divide relationships that God ordained. Number two, Satan is looking for weak spots in those relationships. Weak spots in those relationships. There is a story of history or mythology, Greek mythology, by a guy by the name, uh, by the way, I have a book in my office. It's called The Iliad by Homer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And in there he talks about a guy by the name of Achilles. You know who Achilles is? Achilles at that time, Achilles was a, uh, his mother when he had him uh, took him to the river Styx which is by the group, spell their name the same way. Whoever just laughed, you know what I'm talking about. And she took him and wanted him to have immortality, so she took him by the heel and dipped him all the way under there except for his, the back of his heel, which is where your Achilles tendon is, right? So what happened is, while he's there, Achilles was the most beautiful, fastest, most valiant warrior. Why? He couldn't die. I mean, you would be too, right? And so what happened was, though, he went to battle against Troy, and there was a person there by the name of Paris, I believe his name was, and he shot an arrow. Nobody else could take him. He couldn't be wounded. Nothing could happen to the guy. This mythology of it, okay? And he took an arrow, and you won't believe where it hit. Guess where it hit? Right in his Achilles heel. And he went down. You see, what happened was everybody was fighting, hitting. They were trying to find a weak spot. This is what the devil's trying to do to your life. 
He's trying and he's searching for a weak spot. And during battles is a real good time to try to find that. He did not die. If you would, if you, he did not die, if you would, because the great sin and worldliness or immorality, and because he had, had, had a vulnerable spot, he was exploited. He couldn't die any other way. Christian, you may be strong in every area, but do you think the devil's going to avoid you because he can't seem to find a place? He's going to keep looking till he finds your Achilles heel. And when he does, he's going to shoot an arrow right in there. He's bringing you down. Satan is searching for a vulnerable spot, a weakness in your God-ordained relationships. Whatever that is, all of them, any of them, doesn't make any difference to him at all. Now listen to me very carefully. There's a reason the devil was not after Eve. The devil was not after Adam. The devil was after God's plan for mankind. He found the weak spot, the woman. You say, I know you're male chauvinist. No, I'm just quoting Bible because the Bible said Eve was deceived and that she is the weaker vessel. Take it up with God. That's what he said. Satan's strategy to cause you to quit, number one, divide relationships that God has ordained. Number two, Satan is looking for a weak spot in these relationships. Number three, let me give you three don'ts and one do to try to help you. Number one. Do not fight people. Don't fight people. It's a waste of time. And what you're concerned about is you're so insecure in your relationship with God and yourself, you think you have to go and defend. Well, what will people think? People are going to think whatever they want to think. Brother Howes used to say all the time, if this one person down here on, the jo- on, on this seat right down here, if he liked me and all of you hated me, he would say he's a great guy. If all of you liked me and he hated me, he'd say he's worthless. So you're too flattered. I have 45,000 likes, friends, whatever you call them, okay? You don't even know who they are. You're so, you're so insecure, you think the more ticks you got on your like, whatever, thumbs up or whatever you guys do out there, you think, oh, I'm very popular. That's why I'm on here all the time. No, you're so insecure, you're looking for anybody and everybody that will even send you a thumbs up. Oh, we're good friends. That's all they did, and that's your friend. Is that what's happening? How insecure can you be? How about the security of your family? How about the security of your husband or wife? How about the security between you and your church? How about your security between you and God? How about your security between you and your boss? What happened to the God-given, ordained relationships that God gave you? We're so insecure. This is why people defend and fight. Well, they're liable to think bad about it. Why would they do that? Are you living right? Or are you doing what? How, how far can they go with that? Besides that, people are going to say what people want to say. You running around trying to defend yourself ain't going to help you at all. Do not fight with people. All your relationships are with people. Read it. All your relationships are with people. All of your earthly relationships are with people. But you must realize your struggle in battle is not against them. How can two people that say they were in love hate each other at and I have been to divorce courts. I have sat and counseled people. And I, yet to this day, has had anybody bring up Satan's heel. And yet right here it's laid out on what he will do and why he's doing this. 
It makes us feel very vulnerable. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12, the Bible said we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Our wrestling, our strength, our energy should not be pointed at parents or at children or at the preacher or at our employee or at our employer or at our spouse. Your battle is against Satan's forces, and you've got to start understanding that, or eventually this church is going to infight again. It's happening. Temper's getting a little short. Well, if it wasn't for her, no, it's not her. Well, who knows? Maybe it is. No, we don't know. Okay. Your battle is against Satan's forces. God said so. And in particular, against those God-given relationships. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this. That ain't your mother-in-law and that ain't your wife. That's spiritual wickedness. And the way they attack us and try to use us is through these God-given relationships because you take those away, we're very vulnerable. Against spiritual wickedness in high places, that's governmental things. Victory will come to you when you quit fighting the wrong enemy. Lady, husband, stop it. Just stop. Understand, the person that's trying to take a pot shot at you and kill that relationship is not your husband or wife. You're being used to destroy one another while the devil sits back and just goes, I know what happened. You didn't bring up his name. You didn't recognize him. You didn't say one thing about him. You didn't even try to stop each other. God's ordained relationship, and you start fighting. Start fighting the principalities and the powers that hate these ordained relationships because it will destroy you. Why, you don't even wreck. We are ignorant of the devil's devices. He is fighting our relationships that we so desperately need all the time. Number two. Do not, I said, number one, do not fight with people. Number two, do not under, underestimate Satan. Now, look, when you don't think about him, you're underestimating him, that's for sure. Listen carefully. There are biblical ways to respond to spiritual attack. Biblical ways. Spelled out right in the Bible. But you cannot fight the devil. You cannot fight the devil. You cannot fight the devil. Even Jesus Christ, when he was in the wilderness, do you remember what he did? He used Scripture. He used and obeyed Scripture. He didn't just quote the scripture. He did what the scripture said. Man does not live by bread alone, so I'm not turning that stone into bread. It's not good to tempt the Lord thy God, so he didn't do that. You don't have to just quote it. I rebuke the devil. Uh, he's really afraid of your fingers crossing like that. Uh, I'll put the Bible in front of me. There's nothing he can do. Where in the world? You're watching too many late night uh, scary movies or something. I don't know what you're doing. The Bible tells us we should not be ignorant of the devil's devices. However, he is the prince and power of the air. However, he is the God, little g, of this age. So don't underestimate him. He's very, very powerful. Very, very powerful. We must learn what is in his arsenal and learn to defend ourselves against his techniques. God tells us we're, we should not be ignorant of the devil's devices. To prove that we are. When's the last time you realized I'm upset with my parents. Why? They told me I had to do right. They told me I could not do wrong. Did ever dawn on you the devil's trying to use you against your parents? Ever dawn on you? No, 
you take it real personal, right? That's not what God says. And if that happens, the Bible tells the lesser to submit to the higher. Every time, woman, to your husband. Woman. Now you pay attention here. See, Sharon's already turned her back on me. Now, do not overlook Satan. Watch this, number three. Do not underestimate him. Don't overestimate him. We have a God in heaven that can take care of you. If I obey the Lord and walk with him, I will be okay. If I underestimate him, if I overestimate him, he'll scare me to death. And I'll run off and do things I should. Do not overestimate him. In Matthew chapter number 4, it says that the spirit who led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The Bible said, listen, the spirit led him. It was no accident. He didn't find himself out there. Oh, my goodness, look what the Bible said. The spirit, the Holy Ghost of God led him, led him, led him into the wilderness. You think he led them there to see if he could fall? You think he led him in there to see if he could take it? The Holy Spirit led him in there to let Satan know you can't do anything here. The devil allows things to, oh, sorry, God allows things to happen in your life knowing full well if you will simply do what God says, you're going to be okay. But you won't know that until he allows you to go out in the wilderness and you're going to have to depend on the Holy Spirit of God. Satan is no match for God, no match. Get this out of your head. I know you watch movies and do things where God and Satan are battling back and forth. Odin and Loki. Oh, now, now, you, now I got you, right? Now you understand. Okay, no such thing. That's Greek mythology. In other words, it's made up junk, okay? Now, listen very carefully. What happens here when this, when this begins to happen? Satan, even when he was an archangel, was a created being. Guess who created him? God. So it's not the devil and God fighting each other. Angels are fighting. We're fighting. But ain't God fighting. It's not like God's name's on the line here. Who knows how things are going to turn out. No, he's God Almighty. This is Satan, a created angel, who rebelled. End of the story. Very powerful. Don't underestimate him, but do not overestimate him. Satan works as much as Christ has and will allow him to in your life. That's all he can do. Remember the Apostle Paul. Uh, okay, take Job. The only reason Satan could do to Job because God allowed him to. The same thing with Paul. Paul said, Satan hath buffeted me with a thorn in the flesh. He knew. He went to God and said, it would be really not, I could do much more for you. And God said, that's enough, Paul. I want you to more about it. My grace is sufficient. God knew what was going on. God allowed that. Listen to me. God allowed that. You think that every hurt in your life is something against God and against you. Now, if you're sinning and you've done wrong, you're right. No reason to rejoice. No reason to be begging God. You need to go and confess and God, I'm sorry. I confess my sin. Please help me now. Don't go to him. I've been living for God. Look, you're lazy on your job and you're not doing your job and they fire you. Please don't tell me it's because you're a Christian they fired you. They fired you because you're lazy. There's a lot of that. It's like a sickness. It's like a pandemic going around called laziness. Now, as evil and as powerful as Satan is, he cannot go beyond what God allows. He cannot go beyond what God allows. Trouble is, we open the door and let him in. We actually open the door because we're ignorant. He knocks. Hello, who's there? Your next door neighbor. Oh, come on in. 
when God has allowed Satan to mess with man, it has always been by permission, whether it was Paul or Job. It was God who brought up Job's name. It wasn't the devil. He wouldn't have anything to do with Job. <laughs> Job had it too much under control, too close to God, too doing too much right. So he didn't bring up his name. God said, so you've been running all over the world, saying what kind of problems you get? You know, there's a guy in the Middle East, his name's Job. Yeah, 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 I can't get to him. And then he tried to play God. Look, he's not. there's not this game. God said, oh, yeah, maybe I haven't really considered that. God knows everything. And God knows what you're going through. Don't overestimate Satan. He is no match for our Heavenly Father. Now, let me give you one do. Ready? And we're done. You must learn how to discern. surely seems to be lacking in most people today. Well, I wonder if that's a good way or that's a good way. What, what do you mean? That's all bad. Why are you even considering that? Well, you never know till you get out there. You, you know what a, they used to say a, a Polish uh, uh, mind detector is? It's a man going like this. What are, you, what are we doing? Walking through life hoping we don't step on anything that will blow us up. God said, look, you don't need to do that. I gave you a book. Now you believe this book. And the next time that you and your wife, you kids with your parents, you with your preacher, who would want you to leave a church like this? Who would want you to rebel? Who would want you to pull other people out of here? Who is it that wants you to stand your ground and tell everybody the way you really feel? Who would want you to do that? God. You know, nobody has ever left here because of biblical doctrine, period. Nobody. I don't care what they say to you. I don't care what you, nobody's ever left here. Preach, I got to leave because it's not preaching the Bible. Therefore, other reasons they leave is not biblical. You say, I don't like your attitude. I don't like my attitude half the time. I'm trying to change. Now, see, when Mrs. Dayton was here, she told me, she said, you're changing. I said, no. She said, you are too. You're changing. You're getting real soft and easy in your old age. must learn to discern. Discern means to separate and distinguish. Do you know what's right and wrong in this situation? Do you just walk into it and go, how was I supposed to sound like a teenage girl, doesn't it, right? How was I supposed to know? They asked me to do something I did. I didn't know it was going to turn out. No, no discernment whatsoever. You are being attacked and your problem and, and, and your problems Does that mean I quit? If it's one of mine, tell them to keep them. Now, are your problems being brought on by Satan, allowed by God, or are you causing them? Is Satan attacking you? God said, here's what you do. Is God allowing it? You're going to be okay. Just keep walking with God. Are you causing it? Now you have trouble. No reason to rejoice. You're not getting any strength till you run to God and throw yourself before him. It's never going to turn around. When we learn to recognize the source of our problem, we can probably direct our defenses toward him, not them. God has given you 
what Satan does. He has told you these six God-given, God-given, God-given relationships and said who needs to do what in those given relationships. Just like on your job. Hey, the boss left. Okay, stop. Oh, here comes preacher. I have no idea what that looks like back there, but right? That's what they do in school. Every teacher goes like it. Preacher, they always straighten up when you come around. I already know that. The Bible said you do not work eye service as unto men. You work as unto God. If God were there, how would you be working? If God was in your family, how would you be loving each other? If God were around you kids, how would you be treating your parents? If God were actually here in this building, I mean physically sitting here, and you knew he was right back there, how would you be reacting to that? God has given you relationships for a reason. You need them. And that's why they're under attack. Those relationships will bring you security and comfort and safety. Help you fight that battle. But you're going to have to fight to keep them because they're under attack. And this is part of the strategy that the devil's going to use to destroy you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time.